Well, listeners, here we are, episode 500. Just over three years ago, we started and launched the podcast Leadership is Changing, and what an experience it's been. And it's been a real pleasure in bringing you these episodes, three episodes per week. And so whether it be interviews, mashups, or the Ask Dennis episode, which is a freestyle episode, it's been a real pleasure. And I've loved doing the whole thing. And so what I've got with me is a great friend, a really cool lady. Her name is Rhonda Viteri. And Rhonda and I worked many years ago together, but she is a global executive. She is a STEM so it's science, technology, and so forth. Ambassador, she is a speaker, triathlete, two times author, and mentor. And Rhonda does actually do a lot of Iron Man, I think, kind of sort of competitions and so forth. And But she's a seasoned global leader, and she's done over 23 merger and acquisitions. And what she does is she combines STEM and sports to bring technology and joy to the world. And so she's been on, uh, she's on some boards and she's also worked across different industries as well. Names like Herbalife, Esther Lauder, AIG, HP, and Barclays, and JP Morgan, and Chase, and so forth. So it's some big organizations. And she's worked and led teams right around the world. And it's been massive. And so she contributes a lot to different things around sports and also other charitable organizations. She's been recognized as one of the top 50 most powerful women in technology. And she's been also in magazines and on the media a lot around being a CIO, CTO, being in tech, around STEM, what she does, and it's actually really quite cool. So she competes in Ironman 70.3 triathlons, and she also does other things too. And she's a member of a golf club called Winged Foot Golf Club, along with her husband, who works for a golf organization and, and really does help support Rhonda and her Ironman kind of organized sporting stuff too. But Rhonda and I talked about some great things and accountability is a lost art and that's what we definitely did talk about and that's the, the topic of this episode today. And she talked about being having to be battle ready and you know because we need to stay ready because things and we need to adapt and pivot and that also that hard work is not having instant gratification it's going to take hard work in whatever we do. And the other thing we talked about was a whole lot of stuff, but the diversity of thought is what makes the world go around. So, listeners, how about we get into the episode and you sit back and enjoy Rhonda and I celebrating episode 500. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners, welcome to the 500th episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. It's unbelievable that we are already here. And just, just over three years ago, we started off with episode one, which is the former CEO of Air New Zealand, a guy called Christopher Luxon. And if you haven't already checked out that episode, go ahead and do that. And today I have a very close friend, somebody who is a global executive, a STEM ambassador. She's a speaker, a triathlete. She's a two-time author, a mentor, and I said a very good friend. Rhonda Viteri, a massive welcome to you. 
Thank you, Dennis. So proud of you. 500 episodes. Wow. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been amazing. And the journey's been really, really cool, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Now, for our guests' sake, they would like to know, whereabouts in the world are you today? Today, New York City in America. Today, New York today, City. Today, yes. Yeah, in America. So do you travel quite a lot? Yes, Dennis. Cra- travel quite a lot. There was a, a, about a five-year period where I spent over 200 days on an airplane back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's when you, I don't know if it's the same airlines that you normally travel, but I remember here in New Zealand, I was traveling one year, 40 weeks in the year. And the Air New Zealand staff said, you're traveling more than us. Or they used to say to me as they greet you on the plane, you're back again? And I'm like, whoops. Okay. But it's it's amazing how you get to travel. And you know what? With the lockdowns and so forth, I really miss not traveling. It's been nice to be home, but I've actually really missed it as well. And I and look, it's been great now to get back into things too, which is good. Yes. And you're from New Zealand. I mean, that lockdown for mm. the listeners also. I mean, you're in New Zealand today, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am. Yeah. Now, Rhonda, you're, just tell us a little bit more about your background. Because I said, you know, you're, about, you're a global executive, STEM ambassador, speaker, triathlete, two-time author, mentor. And tell us a little bit more about your background, where, you, where you've come from, what you've done, because the listeners would love to hear that. Sure. I've worked since 12 years old, Dennis, 23 mergers and acquisitions, intentionally moved industries. So retail, insurance, banking, all in technology, but covered all the industry verticals. And I think that's important because I didn't become siloed in one industry in the world, which is very important from a mindset perspective. From a mindset perspective, because I think there's also probably listeners here saying, hey, I've been in this organization for many years or a few years. When's the right time to move? And why is it important to move industries, as you said? Change management. Change is good. A lot of people don't embrace change, Dennis. It's good thinking, getting your blinders off, learning new things. And if you don't like what's happening within your company, do something about it. Go somewhere else. Right. Learn more. Don't just sit there and think it's okay if something's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people sit there and they moan and groan about something, but if you don't like it, do something about it. And yeah, I think it's really good. Now, Rhonda, I, I'm also, tell us more. What else kind of organizations do you work for? Who are the types of organizations? Um, Estee Lauder works Barclays, did the Bank One, JP Morgan chase a merger. So a lot in finance and tech. AIG Insurance, HP Dennis, where we work together. I miss those days. I do too. And I, and I remember meeting you, you and your global team that I work with, right? It was a group of some great leaders and went to various countries to do some workshops and team building and things like that. And I think the first time we met together was in Belgium, I think it was. was yes, that's and, memory. Yeah. And I remember, we, we remember, because uh, I've told this story a few times in different episodes, Rhonda, whereby we did we took him on a tour around the city and then we turned the corner and we put him into a cooking class slash competition. And then there was this big argument that happened as because somebody took the chef's hat off and somebody else put the chef hat on and there was this big blow up. And then I remember you wanting to jump in and I held you back a bit to say, just let it happen. And then we did the debrief afterwards. And some of those guys have caught up with, they said that they still remember that day. Mm. And that whole scenario, but what they learned from it. And I don't know, do you remember that day? I remember that day in Belgium. I won't say the gentlemen's names, for, but that was, we did that every trip we went on. We made time for cultural immersion and learning. Again, going back to your other question, yeah. why do you move? 
You put yourself in different positions and the cooking class was unique to do as a team. And you're right. The chef hat, someone taking it off and the conflict management, let alone by cooking the team, trying to cook together, having a competition, right? Competition, results, action oriented. It's everything in the workplace too. But it was about team building from all different cultures, all different countries. And you're right. I wanted to jump in and stop the argument. I didn't want an HR issue either, Dennis. But I'm glad you let, you said Rhonda stay back, let it happen naturally. And it's great to hear also, Dennis, that those gentlemen remember that because that was a teaching moment in life. Yeah, it was. It was. It definitely was. Yeah. Now, when we also met, you you had written a book called Enterprise Service Management for Dummies. Yes. Yeah. That was your first book, right? It was. And that was the yellow and black book that still Mm. exists for dummies on how to manage the organization enterprise end to end before ServiceNow was a company, Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And and now it's known as ServiceNow, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's huge, isn't it? And also you've written some other books. What, What are those books? Grit and Grind, which is taking all the experiences in the workplace and growing up on how to lead an extraordinary life. So the intent of that book was totally, it was in technology focus. It was about life. All the business and finance acumen learnings from moments, teaching moments that we just talked about in Belgium. I should have put that in the book now that I think about it, Dennis. But there's Mm. other ones around the country that I talk about from in Korea to in India, but getting people's mindsets to think differently. And talking about hard work, Dennis, and not instant gratification, because that's a hot topic in today's society. That's why I'm an ambassador of this field, science, technology, engineering, and math. And my action is through sports. I'm all about action, but I'm not about this instant gratification. And I think that's a lost art. So I wrote that book about working hard. And the cover of that, Dennis, is real cow manure and fertilizer. So I'm trying to illustrate, you have to dig deep go into details, go into your spirit, your soul, think, change, and get your hands dirty. You know know what? I mean, I've always looked at you as beautiful, elegant, classy, you know, great person and real down to earth. And then when I saw the photo on the cover of that book, I was like, Rhonda, what? But then I also know you in the sense that you don't have a problem in rolling up your sleeves and getting in there and and making things happen. And so- that whole metaphor analogy, the photograph, I thought, yeah, it's really good. But I, well, come on. And it's like, it, was, it really just sort of moved me, shifted me a little bit to say, wow. But it also got my attention because then it got me to start thinking about what does it mean and that gri- the grit and grind. I think it's a great book. Thank you, Dennis. That means a lot from you. Yeah, I did not want that book with a cover of my face. You know, I, that's not my style. But I was trying to make that metaphor, get dirty. What is this? What is, what's going on? And if people could only smell that cover, Dennis. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine smelling it. Yeah, excellent. So you've been recognized for your leadership and influence and notably one of the top 50 most powerful women in technology by the National Diversity Council over several years. And you've also been involved or been recognized by various magazines and you've been in the media a lot as well. Well, what are kind of things that you, you know, and roles of CIO, CTOs and things like that, what are you seeing in the world in a sense of a female in, in executive roles, but in business today? And in other words, what are you talking about on the media when you're meeting with them? Anywhere from artificial intelligence to how do we get, how does it work, number one, 
And anywhere from why don't we have more women in this field? I get that question a lot. And I'm trying to shift the paradigm that this STEM field with technology is fun. It's not a bunch of brainiac. It is nerd. It's not just nerds. We're fun. That's why I came out with this fashion line and donated all charities, proceeds to charities to get the next generation involved in us. And I'm so passionate about that. And I talk about also why you need a mentor out of your own Mm -hmm. industry to help you and challenge you and not be pigeonholed. So I talk about that also to anyone that will listen. And because that's a very important aspect of life and also change management, which you mentioned, why did you move? What did you learn? I always tell folks, get out of your country, adapt, cultural immersions. And so I can cross-functional industries, Dennis, because I've worked in all the industries. And then sports, I talk about sports a lot and what the parallel is with the STEM environment about cadence and innovation and creativity. So all various aspects. Yeah, I've been writing notes because I've got lots to ask you based on what you just shared there as well. You know, before, I can't even read my own writing, but I think the thing here is about we are living in a world where right now you're talking about having a mentor, but having it outside of the industry is really important. So having that person to really help you, I think, is really important. Now, you talked also about the STEM side of things, too, and what it's like for a female and so forth. But it's also it's not nerdy stuff. It's stuff that's really important. And there are a lot of people out there who are really interested in that kind of topic, but they think that they probably can't go down that track because of maybe gender, race, all sorts of things, diversity stuff, right? I think it's really important that we actually understand it and good on you for doing that and standing up and showing people what they can do, which is really important because I think that's part of our legacy and that that is that we actually help develop other leaders. Now, you mentioned something else about India before, and and I'm going to come back to a little bit more about the the sports side and the fashion line that you you also, that's my writing, the fashion line that you talked about before. But I remember the story of you and maybe a couple of your team members. We were talking about it in one of the venues around the world, and I think one in particular, they were going to go to India with you and they weren't sure about the food and so forth. And I sat there going, oh gosh, here we go. And so I think I may have also helped a little bit because I talked about myself going to, to India and, and waking up at 2.30 in the morning and my stomach is so massive. Like I've got belly, you know, deli belly and next minute I've got to be on stage in a few hours time and I wasn't really well. And so the person talked about taking a whole box or shipping a whole box of protein bars to India and how did that go for them, do you know? It actually worked out very well, and they lived off those bars. Back then, it was a zone bar, and then the Cliff Bars came out. I remember it was a mint chocolate chip and peanut butter. can remember the packaging today, but they lived off of it. Finally, though, Dennis, we got them to eat over the years. This is over 15 years, finally, to get them to eat some of the Indian food. Yeah. Well, there's the change management again, right? It's about them going through that journey. Exactly. And having someone to show them in easy, digestible steps. Nice, nice. Very good. Well said. Now, the fashion line, you talked about that before and donating and so forth. Tell us more about that. What's that all about? That is about trying to stop the bullying in this field and promote that women can be in this field and have fun and be fashion and cool. We're not a bunch of nerds sitting in the room with a door shut and, uh, and just programming away. So teamed up with uh, Sava USA. She actually approached me and said, would you be interested in collaborating and doing a fashion line, which is of circuit boards, flowers. It's all technology related, Dennis. It's all anything I show up and do is intentional to to drive an action. So this is all of the clothes are all technology driven. The last uh, line she did was with an astronaut. 
but I was honored that she chose and reached out to me. And I said, absolutely, I'll do it. But on one condition, all the proceeds go to charities that I believe and stand behind, which is very important to, so I might change it by quarter if I'm doing something with the veterans, which I believe in, or something in South Africa or something in Africa or US-based. I just wanted the flexibility to put the proceeds to the next generation of leaders. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well done. And giving back to people, the generations, it's brilliant. Really good. The other thing you talked about was about working with sports. You you do a lot. And for the listeners, they can't see your wall at the moment. But I've just said to Rhonda that she probably needs to get a bigger house or a bigger wall because there are, I don't know, hundreds. I, I don't know how many medals are hanging out there on your wall right now. But you're actually involved in a lot of sporting stuff as well. But the analogy here that I'm going to use is that I talk about it, you talk about it, is about the corporate athlete, is that we have high-performing sporting teams, high-performing sporting individuals, and we also have what we call high-performing corporate athletes. The other thing I talk about, Rhonda, is the ability for a leader or an executive today to to be match fit. In other words, for them to be able to go out there and play that sport, whatever it is, do whatever, they need to be at the peak, but to be able to be there physically, mentally, and emotionally, they have to be right. And they have to be at their level to be able to handle the headwinds, the challenges, the excitement, the innovation, everything that's happening. Your thoughts around the importance of being a corporate athlete and preparing and being ready for whatever's coming ahead of time. What should people do and think about? Preparedness, set around time, time is currency. Your mental model, you need to challenge yourself every day. Challenge myself every day. These medals remind me every day. What's every month I'm doing a race, Dennis? And I'm out there intentionally. So just did my hundredth and one race on Monday. And what kind of race? A hundred and one medals that you see behind. It was what, what I, kind of sports what kind of sport is it, Rhonda? Ironman 70.3s is my sweet spot. So you swim 1.2 miles, you bike 56, and then you run a half marathon 13.1. And that's my favorite race, but I love to swim. So these medals are half marathons, Ironmans, but I'm a swimmer at heart. It's what I grew up doing. And I think that from a corporate athlete perspective, Dennis, you have to be battle tested. You have to be. You have to be ready. So my philosophy in life is stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And you're always performing and you're ready to go because you cannot just have your body going up and down with an or your mindset to get anything peak out of life. You have to be consistent, have a routine and a schedule. You also have to be adaptable. But if you don't have a goal, you will go off track. So I'm all about the corporate athlete pushing yourself leading others, following, being a servant leader. But I use it through sports to illustrate that executives need to be healthy, mindful. And guess what, Dennis? I don't use any technology doing these races or training. Do the best thinking strategically when I'm racing. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you've got, you're, you're off doing something else. And so then you're able to think as well, which is good. You know, Rhonda, I've said to people that, and that could be wrong. I mean, I don't see many high-performing executives who are overweight. They're all all Mm. really exercising, doing what they need to do. And people go, but you know what? I don't have time. Well, it's not about having time. It's actually making that time to be, as you said, battle-ready. And I also I like what you're saying, you know, you've got to stay ready, right, to be, because you can't just get ready when it's it's too late. It's it's already underway. It's too late. You become obsolete in the workplace as well. 
if you don't mm. stay ready and learn. And intellectually, you need to challenge yourself. So you have to continue to challenge yourself. And who wants to work for a leader that's not leading by example? Yep, exactly, exactly. And people want to follow that person who is leading by example. Rhonda, what I talk about in my keynotes and my, in my workshops and the coaching and things like that is that today's leaders are needing to stay relevant because they are running a risk of being left behind and becoming irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And so the thing here that is, that's really important for us, as you just said, is that we need to keep working on ourselves and keep going. But I also think that organizations need to keep investing in leaders as well, because if they don't, they are also going to become relevant too. Yes. And Dennis, we used to carve out, and we still do a percentage of the budget, carve out for training, because Hmm. that's important. We need to reinvest back in and get the team to have certifications. Let's talk about the leadership training and do that. We have to invest in the team. Yeah, absolutely. And if we don't, then we're not really helping them because once again, it's about our legacy too, right? Helping people and growing people for sure. Now, you and I have had already a great discussion, some really cool stuff coming up there. And listeners, if you're not taking notes, you might want to rewind and make sure you are taking notes because Rhonda is sharing some real wisdom here, some real great nuggets. And I I think it's really cool. Now, Rhonda, how did you actually get into leadership yourself? I fell into leadership. I was working all my way through school because my family couldn't afford. So I had to work and put myself through college as well and work full time. I fell into technology. My first job was managing people in technology. I fell into it. It was before Girls That Code. It was before as that was bleeding in and I fell into managing people. My first job was actually because managing people and my degree and I could communicate. So I fell into it and starting running cables and data centers, Dennis. And look where it turns out. I still get my hands dirty and I can punch the cables down and I just will never get out of that mindset. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I remember with you in particular from working a few years ago with you and the team is your ability to see the bigger vision, to see the bigger picture, but also to take them on the journey, but also hold them accountable. Being accountable today, how important is that for a leader? Oh, so important. And Dennis, it's changed over the years. When you asked me about what else you talk about, and I have a whole chapter on being holding people accountable, not and yourself accountable as well, but it is a lost art. Accountability, I never end a meeting without saying, what's the action? Who's accountable? Some cultures don't like that. Some do. And that's a whole other podcast about cultural DNA, Dennis, on who embraces accountability and who doesn't. But I am the leader for to embrace accountability. Yeah. So it's a lost art. There you go, listeners. Accountability, that's massive. And it's a culture DNA. And I remember, and I've seen you do this, where you've talked to people and, and actually the end of the meetings, what are we doing? Where are we going? Who's got what? Because how many times do we see teams go off and have a meeting, then they go off and they come back two weeks later and they're still talking about the same things? Oh, that's okay. And then they go off again and they come back again and they're still talking about the same things and nothing's been done. It's so unproductive. We don't put up with that. We can't. And also, Dennis, what I've done as well, which has helped the cultural DNA is don't show up to meetings without an agenda. That's a word of wisdom. Always ask for a pre-read. So you come to the meeting prepared. So you're not sitting there reading PowerPoints. If someone starts to do that on Zoom, I take it off and I say, just tell me what you need. What's the action? How can we get here? I don't want to see PowerPoints. I want to hear words of wisdom. How can we help? Let's go on the journey. How can we help each other? Yep. Yep. And I think, you know, 
So many organizations, they want to do these PowerPoints, which is all good. But then they have a half an hour meeting and then they come along with 50,000 slides or the slides have 50,000 words on them, each slide. And it's just hard to understand it. So I think the important thing here is if what you're, whatever you're bringing to the table, bring it to life. Mm-hmm. In other words, help people understand where you're coming from. The pre-read is probably a big thing. And I think for a lot of organizations, before they go into a meeting to get a decision or get approval, they should have already done the groundwork beforehand. Right. Yep. Right. So a bit of the pre-work, a bit of the lobbying, a little bit of the working through things and building those relationships. That should already be done. It should be done. And sometimes, Dennis, you might not need a meeting if you can vote on something outside on email. And who wants to sit on meetings? So during the pandemic, when we were all burned out from Zoom, our eyes changed. I know my prescription changed three times from just being on the computer throughout, I mean, back-to-back meetings as everyone. But one thing that made sure of was that if you didn't read or a decision to be made, we didn't have the meeting. Yeah, so I think it's important for people to understand that when you are sending out an agenda or you're starting off with some PowerPoints and things like that, you are stating right up front, we are looking for a decision to be made or we are looking for approval for this, whatever it is. Yep. And it's actually stating it right up front and then right at the end again. But you also need to make it sure that people understand right up front what you are looking for from them. And from exactly in 24 hours, if I don't have the pre-rate, I cancel the meeting. Yep. Nice. Nice. And the thing I work with leaders is I say to them, if you don't know what the purpose is, then why are you going? Right. And if you are going, then do you need to go or should you delegate it? And if you are going to go, then what is your intent? What do you want to get out of the actual meeting as you go along to it? It's amazing, Dennis. Your words are wisdom. Hopefully everyone's listening to you. Hopefully. 500 episodes. I'm sure they are. It's all good. Rhonda, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? I learned what not to do for different leaders. So I would answer a little bit of DNA from about four different people in different genders, Dennis. So when I say a name, I don't want to say that's who I'm thriving to be because we're always thriving to improve ourselves and be our authentic self. So if I said my mentor, well, he brings different facets about him. Or if I said, oh, it's someone like Oprah, well, it's so, or Michael Dell, it's so different, Dennis, depending upon, I don't have one person, I have multi, and I think that's an important way of thinking. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. And then you could take the best of everyone and then make it your own, right? Exactly. I mean, Jamie Dimon, I love his style. It's quick, learned early on, he makes a decision, but everyone is unique in their style and you learn what not to do. Yeah, yeah. And and Rhonda, when you're thinking about that and those leaders, is there one particular leader that you wish you could sit down on a park bench and have a coffee with? Somebody you've never met in life? That could be alive or from history. Is there someone you would love to have a coffee with? Well, they've all passed. Everyone's passing away, Dennis, which is scary. Correct? The words of wisdom. Today, it would probably, it would be someone from the military that I would love to have a coffee with. And if you had one question you wanted to ask them, what would be the question? How can we make this world a better place? Wow, that's a cool question. How can we make this place a bit, this world a better place? Yeah, yeah, great question. Well done. Thank yeah. you. I'm all about now, that. That's how I lead my life. Yeah, and it's about what you do here in this world today to make a difference. Well, it's a great question. I, I love it. I think it's really good. Now, the title of the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I mention that title or that statement, what does it mean for Rhonda? It means 
different way of thinking. We're always adapting. We're pivoting just like an Ironman. We pivot our thinking. I think that's very yep. important. And everything is in a cadence and it's changing. Whether you want to not change, don't fool yourself. Leadership changes every second of every day and the world changes. And it's just like the globe. It changes. It moves. The planet moves. So we all need to move. And I love that title, Dennis, because that's what you're about. That's what you're about in your journey as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And I think that you're so right what you're saying, because the world is pivoting or moving all the time and it's changing. And everything we know in life is change because change is constant. It's predictable. It's going to change. The thing here is we're noticing that's getting faster and faster all the time for a lot of leaders. And so whether it be technology, because we've seen things change so much there, and it's actually an enabler as well to help us change things so quickly. Data, social, business, everything's changing. What should a leader do today to help them, as you used the word before, thrive in life, in business as a leader? What should people do today in that fast-paced, ever-changing world? Well, make sure you're taking time to think. Look at yourself, inwardly reflect first, because you can't lead people if you're not taking care of yourself, Dennis. That's a pivotal thought that leaders often forget, and you need, they're just on the hamster wheel. I've seen so many executives just on a hamster wheel, and they're not learning. They become obsolete. I'm not, we all work hard, but you show up healthier if you take the time, if you're not burnt every day of life. We all know we go through burnout periods, but recognize those signs. Yeah. And Rhonda, people say, but I don't have time to do that. Well, what's your answer to that? Unacceptable. Get up earlier, get on a routine, five o'clock you work out. Everyone knows I'm in the pool at this time. Unacceptable. This is about holding yourself accountable. So Dennis, I just, I don't even, that's just a, a cop out. It is. And it's a great excuse. Well done. And I love saying that to people. Oh, beautiful excuse. Oh, and I even sit there clapping away and going, beautiful. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, it's, it is a cop out. It is an excuse. What are you, where are you wanting to go in life? What's your biggest purpose, your big purpose, your why? Because the thing is, you're going to have to be in the right spot mentally, physically, emotionally to be able to execute on that and make it and move forward on it. So you get it. You're in the pool at 5 a.m. in the morning. 5 a.m. I'm swimming and when we're traveling, if we land in India, 4 a.m., companies know that we're on the treadmill running before wellness was a thing, doing meetings and running. That's what resets jet lag. No excuse. That is no excuse. But there's always, I do my morning workouts. I'm not a nighttime workout person. And that sets the intention and the mood for the day. Yeah. I remember doing an event somewhere else uh, with HP and we had a sort of like a meeting the day before. And the executive who's was very senior, but is even more senior nowadays, and not mentioning names in HP, she got up off the table. You know, in other words, just, we finished the meeting, she went to stand up, and they went, oh, and I went, what's wrong? And they said, oh, my legs are really sore. I said, how come? 4.30 a.m. And they were doing the uh, cycles, right? And so it's, it was really quite interesting to hear. And they said, it's just 4.30. They went, well, I've got little kids, and I've got this job, and I've got to do things, but I, I get up early. Let's go. We're on. And so, Rhonda, do you go to bed early as well though, the night before? Depends on the time zone. So I have this WHOOP band, W-H-O-P for technology that monitors sleep and peak performance. So I watch the data insights of that. But Dennis, I need sleep. I've learned that through the pandemic. I haven't drank in three and a half years. Why? Because of all the racing, the work schedule. I was noticing from the WHOOP band, if I had, I mean, I'm Italian. I used to like my red wine, not because I had an issue, but a couple sips, the whoop band was going nuts when, so I was an early adapter of the whoop band and I learned and I'm holding myself accountable for that. And sleep is a part of that technology. 
Yeah. And you know what? I've seen you take off in, in your career. So from a few years ago, watching you going, wow, look where you've come already. And now what to watch you, where you've been the last sort of few years as well. It's been massive. But that doesn't come easy. And it doesn't come whereby you take one pill and go, da-da, I'm here. It doesn't happen. You have to work on it to become that person. And I'm sure, Rhonda, you're the same. I'm the same. And others are the same. We've become this person, but we're still becoming that person. Because in other words, we haven't reached there yet. We're still moving forward and still growing. And what are some things that you do to, to help yourself grow, develop yourself? What do you do? Well, surround myself with good people like you, Dennis. You're a part of that journey. The reason why I am who I am. So thank you. I want your listeners to know that. But I'm all about surrounding myself and elevating. I call it orbit differently. I want to be right. around people that orbit differently in the way of thinking. I do stuff in the space industry now because I love, I'm always learning, Dennis. My thinking, I just intellectually, I need to be stimulated and motivated and get myself out of the comfort zone. So I raced across America on a bike last year, put a team together for mental health and to help prevent veteran and first responder suicide. I, I just want people to get out of their comfort zone. So that's what I'm all about in life. Let's bring people along that journey and have them learn in business, but also adapt and learn what they're all about, Dennis. That's important. Do, do you think that people don't know what they're all about? Yes, unless they spent time to inwardly reflect. And the folks that I surround myself with have done a lot of work on not just their leadership development, but you know, it goes back to your upbringing. What was your upbringing like? Let's talk about it. Let's, what do you like to do? Let's have, Dennis, I call it go back to the basic conversations before technology was here. And I mean, we grew up, right? So we had to adapt. That's our mindset. I'm an adapter. I'm a creator because I, as technology was growing up, I, my way of thinking a career was growing with it. So people I find often when I ask them, have you ever done a, any type of leadership or business r retreat that's not about technology? You'd be surprised on answers. Often, no. No, yeah. No, they don't. And you know what? A lot of people say, oh, that's soft stuff. That's, you know, airy-fairy stuff. I, and I actually interviewed a chairman of several boards many, many years ago, a couple of years ago, and he talked about that the soft skills are actually the hard skills. And and I think that's just spot on what how he yeah. described it. And I like what you're saying, going back to the basics and having those conversations. Too many people are looking for the fancy thing, the the difficult thing, or the thing that's going to be the the sort of the answer. It's actually sitting there right in front of you. It's basic stuff. And if you can get the basics done, what you do is really basic stuff. You're up at whatever time you need to get up to. You're in the pool at 5 a.m. You do what you need to do. You do the exercises. Then you get into your daily routines and you're doing all this stuff, but it's basic. But if you keep doing it, and the word that you said early on was consistency. Mm -hmm. And that has been consistent. Here we are, episode 500. It's about being consistent and it's actually showing up every single week and actually doing it. And you said it before as well about how you show up as a leader. It really does matter, listeners. How do you show up every day? But if you can put those basics in place, stop being fancy, stop looking mm. for that other thing, but do what it is. But then there's this other big piece, Rhonda, which you've actually shared, which is if you can find out what makes you tick. It's right. about your purpose. If you can understand that why, then we in the world are going to see some pretty special stuff coming from that person because they are really following their journey, what they've been brought here to do. Exactly. Their authentic self, Dennis. And that's why I want 
you need to be your authentic self. Show up. I don't like when people are saying yes to say yes. I want someone to say no to me. It's just all about that. That's why that dirt on the face when you said thank you for, I didn't know it struck you off guard. It is. It's about let's hold ourselves accountable. Let's get dirty. But I am so passionate about people learning who they are so they can lead others around the world. And each culture manages differently. And it's a diversity of thought that makes this world go round, Dennis. And a lot of leaders don't realize that. Say that piece again, the diversity of thought. The diversity of thought is it was what makes the world go round. And a lot of leaders do not understand that and how to put together a high-performance team. You need diversity of thought. Every culture is different. And that's why I love to spend time, and I've spent so much time in every country with you, Dennis, and the team, and we emerge and we stay there for a while. It's not just fly in for three hours and leave. That's a missing art too, the people interaction. Yeah. And I think it's as you emerge, as you say, it's immersion, if I can put it that way, maybe not the right word. But I think the thing is that if we're there in the room for three days and we're talking about things, the, the one of the biggest things was, I think, with your team as well and other teams I've worked with was the behaviors. In other words, how do we treat each other? But more importantly, how do we treat ourselves? And so, and I think the thing is, is trust. And you know, for a lot of people, they look at, oh, do we actually have trust within the team? Well, do you actually trust yourself? Number one. And then number two, do we trust everyone else? And it's not about whether I trust you and you trust me. It's about whether, as Patrick Lencioni talks about in his book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, can I be vulnerable with you? Can I have that trust mm-hmm. in me to have vulnerability? And I think it's really important. Yes, it is. Dennis. Well, I trust you and I always have. And everyone that is under your wing coaching, they're very lucky to have you. And trust is a big word. And leadership is about trust. And we t- it's a, I take it very seriously. And I wish more leaders did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, you know, you and I have been talking through the lens of a leader. If we were to change lenses now and think about it from an employee's perspective, especially of late, how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? It's changed so, so much, Dennis. A lot of people aren't talking enough about it, about how they like to work, how, what makes them tick. They need more time out of the office. They don't, they're not used to being in the office. What technology do they use in the workplace will even drive someone joining your company? Yeah. That's yeah. what makes them tick as well. They'll ask about what tools do you use? You it's know an enlightening thing. Yeah. And people are starting to say that, which is great, but I don't think there's enough of them asking that question because they just want a job. Right. And I'm like, but you've got to ask those questions because it's not just about you being interviewed. You need to interview the organization because it's a two-way street but too many people are just it's just two one way and it shouldn't be that way at all they need to ask some no. really good questions yeah what's the culture of here what is i mean let's talk about what makes this company tick are you collaborative or not is it a dictatorship i think you'll know which one people like to be i like to be in a collaborative environment but mm. some companies are different and i also think that the culture is really important because if I go into an organization with as a, a you know as an employee to work with them, see that's a little bit different language than saying working for them, working with them, and I'm in there, I want to make sure that it's a culture that's going to bring the best out of me. If not, I'm going to go home grumpy and I'm right. not going to be very nice to live with. And so I think it's really important that people understand that this is when you're looking at things from a career side of things, it's really important. And I think it goes back to one of the very first comments that you said, Rhonda, which is around making sure that you've got mentors. And even I think we should also think about and network and grow relationships with people outside of our industry, outside of our own organization. It's really important that we do that. What's your thoughts on that? 
I think it's spot on and outside of the country. Or even outside the country. Nice. Outside the country. And now that you're working with space stuff as well, maybe outside of the uh, of Earth. Maybe. <laughs> I can see you. I can actually see you going to space, to be honest. <laughs> That's one of the goals. Like, oh, you know, there you go. I, I could Dennis, tell. My mama said, no, oh, my gosh, you're crazy. But you know what? It's all about the what makes you tick, right? I just yep. want to learn, thrive, and change and show others you can be do, do hard things, but it is not easy, Dennis, and you mentioned that. It's yeah. not easy, and that's a lost art in today's society. They think you wake up and it's instant gratification. It's not. Yeah. There's some horror stories that we all could share on how we got here, Dennis. Yeah. You have them, too. Of course we do, and we all do, but that's also what's made us to who we are today. Right. And, you know, you and I have both worked for leaders before we've gone, oh, gosh, and it's just been really hard. But you know what? We've actually learned a lot from that kind of leader as well. Yes, what not to do and all of our coffees and chatting and yeah. it goes back to who could you trust, who's battle tested and who can you bounce ideas off of. Yes, exactly. There you go. Now, you and I have been talking about leadership. If we get you to get your crystal ball out now, and I'm sure you might have some questions for me too, but where, where do you see leadership being in five years? Well, leadership will be, I would say, balancing more of the artificial intelligence, the jobs that are being will be even more from technology to upskilling people to actually do jobs. So it's going to be a delicate balance between the technology and the humans and reskilling the workforce for what new jobs are going to come. So it's going to be an interesting, I call it next era of technology management because you're adapting. You have to learn different ways of thinking and Dennis, different ways of working. I like it. I like it. The next era of technology management, AI coming. It's coming. It's here. People are afraid of it. What are your thoughts? Should they be afraid of it? What should they do? Well, it's a balance. Yes, from an impersonation perspective, what it's doing out to, I don't want to get into political discussion, but just some of those aspects of it, but also embrace it. Also learn. So if you're scared about it, learn about artificial intelligence. Take a class. A lot of folks I see now taking a class on LinkedIn, which I think is fantastic. High leaders are doing it, Dennis. So because they don't, what is this? It, it is a buzzword. Remember when data was a buzzword, cloud was a buzzword. This is the new buzzword, but educate yourself and your team and you won't be afraid of that. Is AI going to automate things? Yes, but it's not a monster. Do we need to come together around the world and have a different regulatory? Yes, that's in play. All these talks are coming on. So you have to, if you're in technology, you need to learn about it and embrace this. Yeah, and adapt. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Embrace and adapt. That there it is again. But I think it's really important that we do go. And I th a lot of people are scared of things, or afraid of things, or unsure about things, is because they've got questions. Well, if you have questions, go and learn about it, as you said. But learn from the right people. Make sure you, you're learning from people who know what they're talking about. But then go and have those questions answered, because once you've got that, knowledge is power. And then you'll be in a, a lot more comfortable position, or in a position whereby you can make informed decisions. And then you can take from there. Yeah, pretty exactly. cool. Exactly. Now, I mean, they need to understand technology will drive business outcomes. Make sure it's driving in a positive way. So AI, how are we going to drive AI for positive business outcomes? I always think of that, Dennis. And in any problem we're trying to solve, what's the business outcome and reverse engineer it? Yeah, very good. Very good. So Dennis, all what we've been through and working together, I'm curious what your journey has been now since we stopped working together. What has it been like for you? Yes, it's been a really interesting journey because you know how you talked about before about being out of your comfort zone and then actually doing things. I actually believe that 
what I went through with my voice journey around the tumor and so forth was really the world saying to me, the higher power saying to me, you need to go out and then do what you should be doing. Yes, I was doing some great things within one organization, but there are so many more leaders out in the world that really need to hear from me, see me, learn, so then they can go on and, and impact so many people. And Mary and I were talking about it the other day, actually, Rhonda, and we're thinking about how many people have I actually touched in the sense of speaking or workshops, coaching, but from those people that I've actually talked to, worked with, and then they've gone off to go and impact so many other people, how many have I actually impacted? I don't know. Because the mm -hmm. thing is, this is the thing. Now, what we say and how we say it as leaders is really massive. And to see people go off and do things and succeed, like yourself and others, and really go some really great levels, but the amount of people that you've impacted versus based on some conversations you and I have had or some other things of other leaders as well, I, I don't know. And the thing here is that whole journey of, what happens if I didn't go off and do something? What happened if I didn't go off and actually coach somebody or have a workshop or even start this podcast? If I didn't do it, then would there be people? Well, probably someone else would have gone and filled that gap and did it as well. But I think there is, we have a, an obligation, a responsibility to share with others, to help others. And so that whole journey hasn't been easy. It hasn't been like, da-da, there you are. You've had to grow at it. And the thing is, I think it comes down to three words that have actually helped me. Was run was around discipline. So making sure that I know what I was doing and when I was doing it and having that focus to do it. And then the third one, which has come up a couple of times with you and I today, is around consistency. If there was one word that people asked or described me based on this podcast has been consistency. But it's the coaching, the speaking, the facilitation, consistency. Why? Because it's not about being on autopilot. It's about being the deliberate leader, as I talk about a lot. And being the deliberate leader is actually taking control and actually doing something with it, taking the actual controls of the plane in the cockpit and then and flying the plane and maneuvering in a way that's going to be adaptable and I can pivot and I can do things is really important. And so to have actually done that over that journey has been really great, but it's also been there's massive gratitude and I'm very grateful of actually having the opportunity to do it and actually bring 500 episodes to the listeners and looking forward to doing so much more as well. I'm so proud of you. I remember we were in a conference room and this was your dream. And look how far you've come and you made it happen, Dennis. Yeah. And nothing was going to hold you down. You had to inwardly reflect the courage and what you went through to rise above it. And 500 episodes, It's I'm just so proud of you. Thank you, Rhonda. And i got goosebumps now. <laughs> it's really amazing, yeah. So it's been a really great journey, but yeah, it's been a real pleasure. So there you go, listeners. Well, Rhonda uh, has shared so much with us today and her wisdom and, and insights based on her experiences and so forth. Rhonda, if our guests are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? RhondaVatiri.com is the website, and you can get a hold of me through that. It goes directly to me. I'd like to see everything, again, getting into details. Uh, LinkedIn, Rhonda Vatiri, and Instagram is Rhonda M. Vatiri. Excellent. Well, we'll put those in the show notes. But once again, Rhonda, thank you so much for being with me as my guest on the Leadership is Changing podcast as the 500th episode. It's been a real pleasure having you here. Dennis, it's, uh, thank you. For, I'm honored. Thank you. There you go, listeners. Well, how often should you move your roles? We'll start thinking about that. But also, you know, leaders need to have grit and grind. The hard work is important. Don't look for instant gratification. And you have to be battle ready. Accountability is a lost art. And what are you going to do with that going forward? Because you see the culture of the DNA culture or the culture DNA is really important. And that is that we need to also make sure that we're being authentic with ourselves. Learn who you are. And those leaders 
who can go out there and not be afraid of things, but embrace, pivot, think, are the leaders who are going to thrive in the future. Well, that's it for today's episode. It's great being with you. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 